Alright folks, welcome on back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly, the most horrifying paranormal show on the interwebs. We got a call from Spotify the other day, they said, you guys need to cool it down over there, we're getting complaints and lawsuits for fucking terrorism. Yep, terrorism. It's when you cause too much terror in somebody's life. I'm joined by the great Ray Booten. How you doing over there, Ray? Not bad, not bad. How about you? Doing all right. Doing not too shabby, you know what I mean? Uh, a day above ground is a good day, they say, right? Uh, it can be unless the buzzards get to you first. Oh, the maggots. The maggots, uh, my... On a music note, I had a glorious uh, funkadelic maggot brain record arrive today. I was so happy. I've wanted this for many moons. Colored vinyl. Um, maggot colored. They call it peach, but I think it's maggot colored. Very cool. Hey, uh, uh, never yeah. put maggots down. If you're in a wild and you have an, an infected wound, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a doctor, but I heard about this. So it's not directly coming from me. But if there's a carcass nearby with maggots, put some in uh, your wound. They'll clean it out. Just remember to get them out of there, too. Yikes. I would never uh, give maggots a hard time. You know, I have a, I'll give Chase Carson a hard time. He stole my, my maggot brain CD. But with that being said, you know, today we're going to dip into a subject that people might have often pondered. You know, there's been Disney uh, animated, maybe not Disney, but animated films made in the past. Of course, the All Dogs Go to Heaven franchise. Um, but the age-old question, you know, right after if people go to heaven and what, what the afterlife entails for <clears throat> the good old humanity. Um, next up would be, well, what about our dog and our cat and our, you know, our glorious pets that we love so much? Do they get to go to a afterlife as well? Um, and if so, is it the same deal? Uh, and if so, does that mean everything living has an afterlife? And if that's so, what exactly does that entail? Um, is it, you know, golden dog bowls and of kibble and, and water, uh, with, with, with bejeweled diamonds in them? You know what I mean? If you're an insect, is it only the finest grains of gold instead of sand that you dig through to make your tunnels? Uh, it's a very interesting deal. Now, I think me and both agree, me and Ray both kind of agree with the the act that, yes, I, we would both, I think, feel like there is an afterlife for uh, animals and such. Um, now, Ray, do you, what, to you, does, does it, is it, see, with me personally, I assume, I would say, yeah, it's probably all the same energy because I don't think the afterlife is physical. I think it's all energy stuff, so, like, it's invisible. But, um, so, yeah, like, the insect and the dog could all be, that energy would all be there as well. Um, what's your take? You've, you, do you think that there may be two different types or multiple types of heavens in the afterlife? I agree. I think it's more of an energy sort of thing. Um, I don't think that uh, unless we're going to manifest back into this world, for communication purposes, I don't think that once we pass through, we keep our present form. Yeah. I think it's more of an energy form, and that would apply to animals as well. I know there are certain beliefs where um, 
when you get into reincarnation, you can actually come back as you can come back as an animal. Right. So everything living has a soul, and that soul is its is its original energy. If everything came from one creator, then it has a spark of that divine soul, that creator in it, and that would be animals as well. Yeah, there'd have to be some type of crossroad there for the human spirit to come back as an animal spirit. They'd have to link up somewhere in the chain of things, you know. Well, there's an interesting, uh, there was a story, I think it was by Lovecraft, um, where two people were debating about, two men debating about the afterlife. And one of them, they both agreed that they'd give a sign. And they agreed what the symbol was. One of them dies, the other one's in his garden, and he's clearing everything away, and he sees a snail. He goes to reach for it, but something looks kind of funny. And he watches the snail, and very, very slowly, in the fresh turned dirt, it gives, it creates the sign that they had agreed on. I thought, was, crazy, I thought it was, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was kind of creepy, but also very cool. That reminds me of an episode of Monsters, which was like a kind of like a Twilight Zone of the nineties. More of a Tales from the Crypt, more of a poor man's Tales from the Crypt. Um, very creepy, you know, very Twilight Zoney like. Um, it's very interesting that that would, you know, that story. Creepy, definitely creepy for sure. Um, kind of makes you wonder. Um, yeah, for sure. I, yeah, you know, and your God's given every animal a soul, so animals continue to exist forever. You know, just as human human beings do. However, animal souls are distinctively different from a human soul. You know, while God created humans in His image, animals don't directly reflect God's likeliness. Also, God has assigned humans to care for animals while living with them on Earth and learn spiritual lessons in the process, especially about the importance of unconditional love, which, you know, everybody loves that about your animals and your pets, is that they love you unconditionally, uh, or at least because they know that without you, they don't food, they don't get food, and they have to live with their shit and piss. Um, Nobody likes that. Well, some people do. I guess the maggots would like something like that. But, um... Yeah, I'm I'm vibing with this for sure. Now, what's your take on how, <clears throat> on how you know humanity was done in God's likeness and animals? Where do you think the whole the the where do you think animals came from? You know, when he when when God was saying let's create Earth and he did that, that there was the the heavens and animals were on the third or fourth day or something like that, right? Uh well, if you go with if you go with the likeness, I think that if you're saying the human form and God is is like the human form, um, I think that's ego, and I think it comes from uh, interpretations and writings, uh, the ancient writings. If you were to take something like if you were to ascribe to God or creator or the creator has to look like us, so to speak, humans, you're making God human. I mean, you're, you're, re, you're reinventing God into your image. Yeah. And if, if, 
if God's responsible for the entire universe, billions of galaxies and all of the other quantum universes we don't know about, etc., um, billions upon billions, why is God going to look like a human? I think, the, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a form or something, an energy or a form which created all of this, and it goes, it goes back to uh, interpretations and translations. But um, I think, yeah, it's humanity trying to kind of corral God into something they can understand. And the ego saying, "Well, God has to be human form." And with the like a half animal, half human, and that that's almost like a satanic vibe, like the Baphomet or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, why couldn't God be a, a ball of energy or light that everything came from? Like he could be the abyss, like the film. Yeah. You know, uh, God has given animals life in the same way he was, we were given life. Arch Stanton writes in his book "Animals in Heaven: Fantasy or Reality." Uh, it was a good book. I read that uh, in, in, in preparation for this episode. An animal possesses a soul. All right. I think everything, every living thing possesses a soul, you think? I think so. Would that consider it plants as well? They have the essence of creation. They have as a form of soul in them. Yes. So it'd be kind of interesting. I wonder what heaven or afterlife for a plant would be. Just one where nobody steps on them and cuts them down, you know what I mean? Um, since animals do have souls, they praise the God who made them, writes Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven. Uh, the Bible tells us that animals in their own way praise God. Do you think that's true? I think that they are in many ways closer than, to God than mankind because they're living in accordance with the laws of nature, and nature is an extension of God. They're not really tied up in all the, the, the sin and the, the, um, you know, the, 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 the possibilities and the temptations of, uh, of, uh, you know, the human, the human corrupted world. <clears throat> no, very, no. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. They're not caught up in all of that and they're not egotistical. They're living, uh, whether it be the plants or whether it be the animals, they're living in harmony with creation, with God's creation. It'd be it'd be fun to find out that they were conscious like that, and they actually believed in a God and worshipped. And you know, we can't speak their language, but they communicate back and forth. And who's to say that uh, they don't have something going on like that? Now, one of the examples that Alcorn mentions in the animals praising God in heaven is the living creatures that the Bible describes in the Book of Revelation. The living creatures who cry out, holy, 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 are animals, living, breathing, intelligent, and articulate animals who dwell in God's presence, worshiping and praising him, Alcorn writes. So these are like almost half animal, half people deals that are worshiping God, which kind of goes a little bit against, like that, when you think animal, when you think animal, when I think animal and human mixed i always think of abomination type stuff you know like people mad scientists trying to figure some stuff out or some uh something dark like that you know what i mean i agree um and probably not that i haven't done it before but it'll probably piss some people off again um i really think that that is 
people manipulating forms and manipulating the animals and their images to kind of suit their beliefs. So they're going to have ever to justify uh, what they do or the story. What they're going to do is they're going to say that even the animals praise at end times. Yeah. Yeah. To make it a little more impactful, you know? Oh yeah. God, the creator places high value on every animal that he has brought to life. Once God has created a creature that, that, that creature is never lost to God unless it specifically rejects God. Uh, some human beings have done that. So although they continue to live on the, uh, live on in the afterlife, they go to hell after they die as a result of their sinful choices that cause them to separate themselves from God. But animals don't reject God. They live in harmony with him. So each animal who had lived from bees and dolphins to mice and elephants return to God, its maker, after their earthly lives come to an end. Like, these animals seem the most angelic. You know what I mean? It's almost like he lets the angels come down and hang in the animals for a little bit to get a taste of that earth life. What do you think? Uh, I don't know if angels, but yeah, they were, as the article said, um, they follow and they work uh, they live in conjunction with and cooperation with in the middle of all of nature. And nature is, is in essence, part of God because God created it. So they're, they're just going along and they don't decide to distance themselves. They accept it, which is humans have that problem. What do they call those things that have the body of a horse and like the neck of and like upper torso of a human in the Bible? Uh, Greek legend called them a minotaur, I think. Minotaur. The, um, now suppose there's, there's like, there, there's the, you see those weird angels that are minotaur like, you know, you also have in, in Revelations, they were talking about Revelations not too long ago. I believe in Revelations, there's like these minotaur type deals that come to earth. Like, there's that, you probably know more about this than me, but there's, like, almost this period of time after the after the rapture where, you know, the locusts come and these things come. It's like a war between this the humanity and these, these things. And humanity can't win, obviously, but the crazy part is that they can't die. And supposedly they'll be tortured and they'll they'll be wounded, by with wounds that would typically kill them would be mortal wounds, but they just won't die. They'll just be in agony and they'll cry out for death. Um, and the things that are supposed to come and slay them, I believe is kind of like these minotaur things. Am I right or wrong? Do you know, Ray? Well, the tribulation, those uh, difficult times comes before the rapture. Uh, I, thought I, it was, it, I thought it was after like before the world like when the world went back in the darkness for like it go the world goes in the darkness after the rapture supposedly once hell evil reigns supreme if you will and then it's just like everybody like you know, you can shoot yourself in the head and you won't die if you just be walking around with half a face in agony type deal that's what i remember i remember the good stuff like that the good gory details of church like that 
But from what I can remember, the uh, they're not minotaurs; they're the four horsemen. Behold the pale horse. Yep, yep. Death rider. And that's uh, one of them is death. One is famine. Uh, they they got four of them that they bring to Earth, and after everything has been done, the tribulations, the uh, four horsemen, and everything, then what will happen? is then you'll have what they call the rapture, which if you look at the Old Testament and put it into the New Testament, it's kind of backwards. Because each, yeah. time, each time something like that has happened, the evil was wiped away, such as in Noah's flood. Mm. And Noah and the family were given a new world. So the rapture is not necessarily the people being raised up into heaven. It's evil being washed away and earth becoming the new Eden the Eden or heaven for the uh, good people, the holy people. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, because I, I as for, from my learning, my teachings in the church, it went, it went like things started to go crazy, you know, within the world, like very crazy, and then like lockdowns and you know, the mark of the beast came into the mix and then the people that didn't get the mark of the beast were exiled off to, well, in, in, in the glorious film, A Thief in the Night, which is a Christian exploitation movie. It's a part of a th- trilogy or four-part movie deal. But I remember watching these in church and being, like, horrified. I, probably one of my favorite memories of church because... They were like exploitation horror movies, but they were like Christian, so they were so the church would show them. But there was moments of actual like absolute horror, and it was all about a girl that like uh, was Christian and didn't didn't want to get the mark of the beast, so she like her family and friends turned on her and tried to like rat her out, and she was on the run, and uh, the whole movie goes. The whole movie rolls up to, and the ending is like they find the family turns her in. Uh, she has to make the choice whether or not to get the mark of the beast, and or she has to get the guillotine, and they chop your head off. And she chose to get the guillotine. And there's like this crazy music that goes with it when she's like, which is like I'm happy to die music. It was very weird in a religious movie. It's kind of like in Last House on the Left when they have the hippie music when they're like doing all this horror and horrendous, horrible stuff. But um, yeah, that was the my take on it, my my schooling and learnings on it. And then after everybody that was gonna die. The rapture happened, and then there's like a time, a grace period where people that weren't saved, that were good-hearted people or whatever, that wanna, they have an opportunity to not take the mark and die for, die for God, uh, and then they go to heaven, um, and then the people that don't, that that take the mark of the beast and don't give their life, <clears throat> those people have to go into this dark time where the world really falls apart at that point. Uh, in the physical, regular, you know, way with wars and such and famine. But then there's like a religious, weird, paranormal element where like these weird, they have shields and breastplates and they're like right out of Old Testament and they have like horse bodies with like the upper torso of, uh, you know, a human with a sword and shit. Um, 
and then they're supposed to fuck up humanity and leave them leave them just destroyed, just like gutted out, uh, bleeding on a battlefield, not that can't die. And then I guess whatever happens at the end of the world, I don't even know exactly what happens at the end of the Bible. It's just everybody that's bad goes to hell, everybody that's good goes to heaven. Is that how it works? That's basically it. And then what happens to the earth? It's just left alone, or does it like dis- get destroyed in the chaos? Uh, pretty much, it's not mentioned, so therefore, it's probably left alone. Maybe it's the New Eden. That's for the next chapter. Then that's for the Bible number part two, part two, Electric Boogaloo. Um, now, nothing God has created is ever is ever lost, like they said. That's what Sylvia Brown writes in her book, All Pets Go to Heaven, The Spiritual Lives of the Animals We Love. Um, yeah, I mean, you really got to kind of attest and your, your your faith go falls into what you think actually happens. I feel there's people that feel not there's nothing after death, atheists and stuff, and those people aren't going to, they're not going to think that there's anything for these animals as well. Um you know, in, in, in the argument that people think that if you think that there's an afterlife, it's just your ego. You know, I would definitely go with, I don't exactly believe that, but if I was to, I would go, well, if animal, that's definitely ego thinking that your animal would roll over and go there too. Um, but I take it back because you know what? I don't believe in that. But, you yeah, know, when God's word in depth uh, we then have the full understanding. <clears throat> the Bible reve- reveals that animals will be in heaven. Stanton writes in animals in heaven. He later notes, we have to take into account the fact that God loves all of his creation <clears throat> and not just certain ones. God <laughs> has no, no requirements for animals to be saved. Animals need not be saved from the sinful actions and thoughts of humanity. Um, so like in that world, I guess when an animal would kill another animal, it wouldn't be murder. It would be survival. And I guess that would be okay. And then you have weird lines to draw right there between humanity and animals and those both species being put in a same type of situation for their life. And if they have to kill, you know, it's one of those deals. It can get a real, get real weird sometimes. Um, well, you know, part, yeah. part of that goes back to translations. If you go back to the old Hebrew translation and you look at the uh, Ten Commandments, in old Hebrew, the word is not, it does not say, thou shalt not kill. Yeah. It more accurately translates to, thou shalt not murder. I interested. What, like in cold blood? So uh, well, cold blood? It, in the old preachings, like if you were you were in your home and your family was there and someone came and threatened you and your family's life, you had a right to defend it. And in that, in that process, if the other person died, you were not to blame. Right. You were defending life and they chose to try and take it. So it's the other person that's at fault. So the other person would, would be the one that people would say, go the attacker would be the one that goes to hell, not the defender. And that's the difference between kill and murder. The, the Muslim religion kind of vibes with that. Where, like, if somebody threatens you, you can kill them, no problem. Like, no questions asked. If I remember uh, correctly. There's a lot of details in there I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't talk about things I don't know. 
Um, especially things can get you killed nowadays. Now, Joni Erickson Tara writes in her book, Heaven, Your Real Home, that God would want to keep all his creatures. Horses in heaven? Heck yeah. I think animals are some of God's best and most avant-garde ideas. I agree with that. Uh, and some people. Why would he throw out his greatest creative achievements? Well, to keep his greatest achievements would be egotistical, wouldn't it be, Ray? Uh, not really. Like I keeping, mean, award, it, keeping awards around your house and pictures of yourself or something? Well, I think it's it's a little it's a little bit different. If all of creation comes from from God and the essence of God is in all things, <clears throat> then it's simply God being. God is, and creation is, yeah. and humanity puts those labels on it, uh, and it's not like uh, God is sitting back somewhere looking at creation. God is creation around us. Yeah, yeah. I miss being a joker. Now, Isaiah in the Bible foresaw lions and lambs lying down together, um, but I, you know, you know, as well as. Beers, cows, cobras. Uh, John foresaw the saints galloping on white horses. When they say things like lambs and lions um, lying down, you think that's just more of like a a fun way of saying enemies are going to be cool? You know what I mean? Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, the symbolism is very, very heavy there and throughout the Old Testament. And I agree when they when the lamb shall lay down with the lion. The violence and the anger, the hate, the difference is all gone. It's just love. Yeah, which we need more of. Um, Brown, a psychic who claimed to have had visions of heaven, describes in an all pets go to heaven as being full of animals. Uh, I imagine it to be full of uh, plants, too. Very green and um, beautiful, you know what I mean? Colorful flowers, the whole deal. Uh, if this was such a thing, like I'd be more into the realm of that, of going into a beautiful forest of nature, as opposed to, you know, the golden man, the mansions on the streets of gold. Um, the passage of animals to the other side is basically instantaneous. Your souls just pass through a brightly lit portal or gateway from our world to the next. Um, this is true for our pets as well as many wild animals that also go to the other side where there are vast herds roaming about. The other side also contains animal species that uh, have become extinct, such as dinosaurs. And many of us, uh, when we are on the other side, will view and interact with them. That's kind of trippy. Um, and yeah, it would make sense if these animals were to go to heaven, then dinosaurs would too. Um, what a crazy element that is. You also have to take into consideration the fish go there. And if they do, do you not interact with them the same way you don't interact with them in human life? You know what I mean? Because they're, are they still water bound? You know what I mean? What's your thoughts on stuff like this? Well, if we keep our present forms and the dinosaurs keep their present forms and every, everyone and everything, <coughs> including the animals, is at peace. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I want to see if I can get a ride on one of those dinosaurs. <laughs> Heck yeah! You know what I mean. I want to be in a back. I want to be in a back of a. You got. God bless you. Uh, excuse me. I want to be in the back of a T Rex 
romping around. Hell yeah. I support that. Um, you know, with the lambs and the lions, it's like, a, you know, it's a, it's a uh, vegetarian future. You know what I mean? For these things where I mean, they all eat tofu and nobody eats meat or, uh, or grass anymore. So vegetarians out of there. Cause that's living stuff. Um, maybe that's the error of the, the, the pills, whether you get the, the blue pill and the red pill. And if you're hungry, you eat the green pill and then you, it makes you, your brain think you're not hungry anymore. That's what the future does for weight loss to keep you in shape. They just, you, you take pills that make that t- twist your brain up and make you think you ate. Now, all animals and docile and tame uh, and playful, they herd together. They herd uh, animals together. Birds will flock together. Fish will form schools. Whales will form pods and on and on and on and on. You know, I don't, it's weird. It's like I don't vibe with the fact that this almost makes you think that the afterlife is literally just stepping into another earth. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, in, in, in an energy, in a, an afterlife of energy, I just don't see water. I don't see water. I don't see land. You know what I mean? I just see kind of energy. That's really it. Like, I, I find it kind of difficult to wrap my head around a ghostly ocean. You know what I mean? We've talked about the haunted water before earlier in the season, a ghostly ocean. But I just don't... Um, I don't know. I don't know. What's your take on fish in the afterlife, Ray? I see that when you describe the afterlife uh, in human terms being this, and also describing it the same as Earth, then again, you're trying to put a human label uh, on something that's greater than us. Uh, I think... The universe itself, as we know it, is only about 13 billion years old. Yeah. And here we are, human beings, in a form on a planet for what, 50, 60, if we're lucky, maybe 100 years? Mm. And we're, we're defining everything, not only uh, in the universe, uh, what's beyond it, in, into the spirit world. And we're giving very human uh, descriptions and rewards, whether it's uh, you're in a great palace or whether you're uh, frolicking in a, in a beautiful garden, to something that's beyond, really is beyond our comprehension while in this form. We're trying to make it comfortable, make it identifiable. We're defining something we can't define because we don't know. Yeah. No, I'm with that for sure. You know, we got the Rainbow Bridge, you know, the famous poem, The Legend of Rainbow Bridge by William N. Britton describes a place at the edge of heaven called Rainbow Bridge where pets who have been especially close to a person here on earth wait peacefully for a joyous reunion with the people they loved after those people die and arrive in the afterlife. The poem tells grieving pet lovers that Then, with your beloved pet by your side, you will cross the rainbow bridge together into heaven. I think that's entertainment and strictly a poem. I do feel like they would link up with you uh, there, but I don't really know if I believe in the physical of stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like physically seeing your dog the way that it was. I don't even know if you physically see people the way they were. You know what I mean? So... 
It's very uh, questionable for me. What's your take on Rainbow Bridge? Something that was made to comfort animal lovers who just lost the pet the same way they would a human or a little something to it? I think it's more of a, like you said, it's more to comfort people. Yeah. To make them feel good. I I really don't see that, you know, we move into the next life and it's a carbon copy of this life, except that it's kind of peaceful and all your pets collect around you and you go walking off into a sunset, into a garden. Mm. Um, that's that's very, very human. Uh, we're rewarding ourselves in things that we see as pleasant or like in this life. Yeah, and I do think they'd link up. I just don't know if it would be as physical as that. Uh, now, ar- arranging heavenly reunions between pets and people would be just like God, because his loving nature writes Erickson Tata in heaven. It would be totally in keeping with his generous character. You know, I guess in the sense, if you were to vibe with that, these pets were sent here to be our little buddies, our little rays of sunshine type deal with the unconditional love type thing. If that was proven to be that, that's why they're here, then. I could almost agree with the fact that, yeah, they, they visit you and they comfort you to take, to bring you, you know, over. Um, but then you would go, why doesn't everybody have a pet in their life? You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't that be, uh, you know, I know people that hate animals, you know what I mean? So it's like, you think it'd be more of a, a common type vibe type situation to uh, love animals if that was their that was their deal well you know someone's outside enjoying neighbor and they swat that mosquito on their neck they may have just swatted their spirit guide well that's the thing you know you know stepping on hands you know all types of stuff you know roadkill uh that squirrel that got electrocuted on your uh electrical box on top of your house you know what i mean they're all kind of makes you want, you know, if you, in the sense of everything has a life. I mean, everybody here is probably, everybody listening is probably killed a spider, you know, God forbid, maybe even things bigger, you know what I mean? Um, but it's like, you know, a situation with a spider. Yeah, it's creepy. It's kind of, it's gross. It, it's weird looking. But is that a reason? To kill it? Mm, probably not. So, like, does that kind of make people murderers for killing another living thing that they didn't have to? Their life wasn't threatened. It was just an inconvenience to them. Because when you break it down like that, it sounds like the, the motive of a serial killer. It was an inconvenience. That, that, that other person's life just happened to be an inconvenience for them at the time. So they snuffed them out. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, right now I'm sitting out back and there's a rabbit probably about six feet away from me. And uh, we're just kind of looking at each other and it's looking around. And we're enjoying life together. Uh, it's almost as if it's listening to this podcast. He probably is. It came up, sat, it came up, sat down, and now it hasn't left. What's your take on uh, animals holding secret, you know, almost secret powers, whether it be 
the the understanding. Nobody ever knows if they actually understand us or not. You know what I mean? They very well could. They very well might not be able to. Maybe they they have tele telepathic powers. Uh, maybe just incredibly well hearing. You never know. In many cultures, uh, certain animals, cats in particular, mm-hmm. are supposed to be protectors. They can see beyond this world. They, they protect us against evil spirits and negative energies. I think on an energetic or you might say telepathic uh, level, yeah, there's a communication there. They can feel whether you're a threat or not. Yeah. And if you're not a threat, then uh, those those are the ones that, you know, come up and you can feed them by hand. The days of worshipping cats in the Egyptian times. I wonder what I wonder what God thought of that one. Because that would, worshipping cats would be, I assume, is almost satanic. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that, I think that's a no bueno. You know what I mean? There's, there's probably a problematic thing. Well, worship, worshipping them is is one thing. Uh, befriending them and recognizing potentially any powers they have. I see that as okay. If you stumble, if you were in the woods walking around and you stumbled into an upright cat, cat human could communicate with you, what would you do? Would you deal with it or would you just kind of try and get out of there? Oh, I'd want to communicate. If it told you it wanted to bring you into the, cr- the cracks of the earth and the- see the rest of its people, would you go with it right then? I give it at least serious consideration. Because you'd almost have to consider the fact that it's going to eat you up, too. Like, you're going to be feeding its little family down there. And maybe not. Maybe you'll learn some of the mysteries of the universe. I'd hope you have your your heat on you. (laughs) Who dang. I'd be, even with heat on me, I'd be afraid, dude. Like, you get down there, you're down with, like... 15 cat people with claws and teeth. And ain't gonna, I don't think it's going to work in your favor. You know what I mean? In the dark. No, I, like, I'm a cat person. The only pets I've ever had of, uh, that were actually mine were, have been cats, and I have one now. Um, I just kind of like, whoa. Check with your brethren up there, the small ones in the houses. Um, I've loved you my whole life since a child. You know, it's possible that these animals have a, a power of a touch, so to speak, where the, if you, when you pat them and you actually, you know, the way they say certain people have that, if they, you touch somebody, they can get a vibe. They can almost like the dead zone a little bit where they can see inside your heart and what you're thinking. You know, it's possible that animals could have that too. You know what I mean? They're, if they're real in tune with themselves, because you all, you know, you always hear stories of people like, oh, my dog or, my cat or whatever, the cat really don't care about people, but you know, my dog, I came in and I was just having a really bad day and I sat down and it's almost like he knew I was having a bad day and he curled up and cuddled with me and gave me kisses and made me feel better. So I, it's, it's, I'd be curious to, 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 you know, learn or, you know, kind of investigate the reality of uh, how sensitive they are to stuff like that. Cause I bet they're probably pretty, I bet they're probably pretty sensitive to stuff like that. I, well, if it's, if you're talking about on an energetic level, 
and let's say your chakras or your energy is out of balance and they can sense it, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, they would uh, turn around and try and help you get back to that balance and that peace in your energy. Yeah. I definitely support that vibe. I think that they, they, they definitely are sensitive to that. And they do. They can make people feel good. <clears throat> they can make people angry, feel bad, laugh, the whole deal. You know, they all have their, their personalities, you know. Now, people that have said they've been to heaven and back during near-death experiences describe being greeted upon their arrival in heaven by angels, especially their guardian angels. Uh, the souls of people they loved on earth who died before them and the animals they loved on earth as well. In fact, when animals die, they're greeted, uh, they're greeted when they arrive in heaven as well. Brown writes and all pets go to heaven. Sometimes angels come to greet our animals and sometimes they just go through the light and meet all their loved ones and other animals on their own. It's a fun thought. It's a nice thought. You know what I mean? Um, angels coming, what are they going to talk about? The angels and the animals, you know what I mean? Now, animals and people can communicate with each other in heaven using telepathic uh, telepathic nature. Uh, That direct soul-to-soul way of communicating makes it possible for them to clearly and fully understand each other, others' thoughts and emotions, as Brown writes, and all pets go to heaven, when human beings and animals interact on the other side, they have tele- telepathic communication. Animals and humans are different types of creations, but animals can do, uh, can do communicate regularly with us when we are on the other side. So I think that would all attest to the whole energy vibe where in the energy world, I, f- I feel like if me and Ray were energy right now, the communication would be us just thinking because we'd all be one brain, so to speak. I almost look at it like that. Like everything becomes one and that's it. Like we could just, we'd be, you know, they'd be in our heads and asking and answering the questions as easily, maybe not even having to answer them because maybe people are so connected that as soon as the question comes up, the answer just follows behind it. Like, like, uh, like clockwork, you know what I mean? Um, you know, many people whose beloved pets have died say that they've received some comforting signs and messages from the afterlife, letting them know that their pets are there and doing well. Uh, heaven will be full of many wonderful animals, just like those not surround us now. So just when you're, when you're in heaven and you get, you're with that 30-foot anaconda, don't be afraid. You know, it'd be funny if it was like, uh, you know, there's like a sketch. I could see a sketch of like going to heaven and trying to buddy up with the anaconda and then it eats you. And it's like, well, you know, that story, you know, that that old native story about the snake being the snake, where it's like the lady saved the snake and nursed it back to health. And then, like, one day it just bit her, and as she lay dying, she goes, why, why have you bitten me and killed me? I've taken care of you for so long. And he goes, I'm a snake. What would you expect? And then she was in shock because a snake talked to her, and then she died. 
What a world. She she had she was so close to the death that she started communicating with animals, Ray. What do you think of that? Actually communicating with animals and spirit is possible. I heard if you lose enough blood you can have a conversation with lamp. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you go you go yeah. you go back you go back years uh where I spent a good amount of time there's a small group of us training. Uh, and sharing mediums and psychics. We get together once a week for two or three hours. And we did this for, for several years. And one time, one of them came in and he looked kind of dejected. And somebody asked him, you know, what, what happened? He said, Oh, my dog died. And he's going on and on about this, about the dog, which is fine. It had died. And he was all upset because he had had it for a long time. And then he stops talking. And I looked at him and I said, you had a uh, great long-haired cat before the dog? He goes, yeah. I said, uh-huh. Well, it's next to you. And from the energy of the vibe I'm getting, that cat is there saying, what about me? You forget about me? That's, that's kind of the vibe I got from, got from the cat. He laughed and started talking about the cat also that he had had for about 15, 20 years. It was a long-lived cat. So that cat uh, projected and manifested itself so that uh, the guy could know the cat's still with him. You had a couple stories like that, didn't you? Of, of passed over cats or like some stuff where or passed over, passed over animals. And, um, you know, I've heard stories of people being like, well, they're toy. I, I, I could have sworn I seen my cat after it passed. Or I heard a plane with a, a you know, a bell toy that it used to always play with. After it was gone, you know, stuff like that. You got any other stories uh, relatable to a situation like that? Off the top of my head, no, but um, I know there are some. If they pop back up, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, but not off the top of my head. I feel like we've, in, in one of our haunting episodes, I think we got into one about a cat, like a, a cat that passed away and was no longer uh, in the mix. But you always hear that, but you, you, you'll... You know, it's the same way, you know, a wife loses a husband and she'll say, oh, you know, I came down and, you know, his cup was was moved, his coffee cup was moved or something like that. And it's very possible that, yeah, you know, something did something to, you know, give a sign that they're still with him. But it's also very possible that, they just want to believe that something like that would happen so much that they did. They're as quick to go. Oh, whoa! I think that cup did move. It must be a sign. Now, I'm not saying that I don't think that things could move things. But I definitely feel that something could leave a sign for you to move around. But it is common, you know what I mean, for people to really want that interaction and almost kind of let it get away with them. You know what I mean? Well, I lost somebody, uh, goes back before I was doing the mediumship. Um, I had some abilities, but they were very raw and I wasn't practiced at it. And, uh, I had lost somebody. I was there when they died and, uh, I respected this person a lot and liked them. And, uh, I remember in the days afterwards, whenever you would think about him, the doorbell would ring and where I lived had one of those, uh, the windows out front 
there were some in front, but it kind of bowed out, and there were some on the side, so you could look and see the porch and the street and everything. Yeah. And every time the doorbell would would ring, it would be about the time that person came up in a conversation uh, at that time. And I'd go to the front door, and I'd look out on the porch, and it would be empty. And this happened three or four times over several days. And it was kind of like every time the conversation went around it, went around to this person, then that doorbell would start ringing and there'd be no one on the porch. Yeah. I mean, that goes with, you know, it's a, I think that's an energy. I, I, that one I think is a little more realistic because it's energy and there would be electricity that would connect that doorbell. You know what I mean? So I think it would be easy for it to make that crossover there. Um, like we've talked about on the show before, like moving things around takes a lot of their energy, you know, to be physical. Um, so like that stuff, I think is a little bit few and far between, but it does happen. Definitely. For sure. Um, for sure. For sure. I think, you know what I mean? Now with that whole thing with the, you know, coming to visit you, we've talked a little bit about like the, the Anunnaki on the show before, which we're probably going to tip dip into one of these days uh, a little more deeper, because very interesting stuff, but it's, it's the claim. I think that it's all like we're almost in a matrix type deal, and there's aliens that almost like like true like uh, Truman's uh, world there or whatever that show, the Truman Show, um, and they kind of watch us. Um, and they say that like the, the the whole deal with the light is that if you if you that you're not supposed to go into the light. I know I've brought that up. I think you don't. I don't think you've heard that, right? You just heard it from when I said it, so you you don't know if it's truth or if I'm just lost my mind. Of going into the light. Well, the fact that you don't want to go into the light. I've I've never heard that. I've heard that you want to go into the light. Mm. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that all my life, and then in the last couple of years. And I don't know if I believe it, you know what I mean? I don't know what to believe sometimes, but one of their their claim, the Anunnaki, Anunnaki claim is that if you walk, you know, if you go into the light, you have to cut your, your, it's almost like you're restarting the game. So then that's when you would kind of come back and go through, live, live another life. But if you were to say not go into the light, supposedly that's when you transcend to the higher realm you like go to the next stage that way if you don't go into the light but going into the light resets the game so to speak weird stuff Uh, yeah it is it's interesting uh you know i'll 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 have a conversation with about any theory that's interesting even if it seems very far-fetched um it can get interesting you know like the flat well, he, earth thing. I don't really believe in flat earth, but supposedly there's actual, supposedly the, the people that argue it say that there's actual evidence that's undeniable, but I've never done the research, but one of these days I will for an episode, you know what I mean? What were you going to say? Well, uh, two things. One, I'll just quickly, the flat earth thing, how, come, how can we can have uh, a solar eclipse yeah. and it's round? Yeah. Or even a uh, even a lunar eclipse. We when they uh, we block out the light to the moon. It should be a uh, a flat sliver going across the uh, middle of the moon, but it's not. The whole thing's taken out. 
We just had a lunar Look. eclipse like two weeks ago, too. It looked cool. Yep. But as far as the Anunnaki goes, if, if and we can say that, it'd be an interesting episode. If, if you take a race that came down and enslaved, enslaved people, had them, some say they mined for gold and and such, and uh, genetically modified to put people here and did all of this stuff, which is uh, kind of nasty. And then these same creatures turn around and say, don't go into the light. I think I might do the opposite of what they say, because they don't have a good track record. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I supposedly, like, not going into the light is staying away from the Anunnaki. It's not like a supportive thing of it. You know, it's almost like a like a mental prison that people have been locked in, that when they die, the the reset button has been hidden, so you automatically go into the reset stage because the, the human, humanity is being used kind of like a slave for resources type thing. It's very interesting. I don't know all the, I don't know all the stuff on it, but it's very, I love, like I said, I love, I'm a, I'm a conspiracy theory dude at heart and a twisted tale and unexplainable guy. And, uh, I love interesting things like that. And it is, that is some interesting stuff. If you don't think it's interesting, you can deny it into the dirt. Um, and you could be 110% right, but you can't say that it's not an interesting thing to talk about. You know what I mean? Uh, for sure. Well, how do we know the Anunnaki are not sending some of themselves into pets to watch us? There you go. Or to get, our, get our love or to get our love and, and put our love into them or put our, 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 you know, there's people that'll, uh, murder, kill themselves, uh, you name it, do do horrendous things because they love their animals so much. If it meant getting their animal out of trouble, it's like their children, you know what I mean? Um, so th- maybe there's something to be said with that. Imagine that. Imagine if, imagine if you, you, you found out later in life, you know, somehow that these animals were, these animals are the aliens, you know what I mean? They came from some other place and just adapted in. They're so different from us. You know what I mean? It's if you were to take a picture, if you were to take somebody out from another world that didn't know anything and you said, this is a picture of a human and this is a picture of a dog. Do these two species live on the same planet? You'd probably, they'd probably go, fuck. They're so different. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say they're on different planets and they'll go, no, they're on the same planet. You know, believe it or not, this one owns this one. They're just, they're like slaves, but they're nicer to them. You know what I mean? What can you do? What can you do? But so all dogs go to heaven. There was, I think, maybe four or five of those films, but you only got one episode of the mostly ghostly talking about where these animals go when they take the big see you later. Um. I think me and Ray uh, both agree definitely. Yeah, yes, they definitely go to the big party at the end of the rainbow. You know what I mean? They got to show up. They got their ticket in the mail, too. They're not excluded. It's not a no dogs allowed affair. You know what I mean? I think all animals, uh, but it's more of an energy thing. 
it's very interesting when you break down the animal thing in your head because you could very easily go, oh, yeah, the, my lovable friend, the dog, will be there with me. But then you think to yourself, well, my lovable friend, the anaconda, or my lovable friend, the fucking scorpion, or my, you know what I mean? Are all these things that you don't really want to deal with, are they going to be there too? And I guess if they were to be, you're going to, you supposedly wouldn't be in fear of these things. Um, but the fear of these things are so burnt into everybody's brain that it's very, you know, clean slate. It's, it's almost like they, they, they'd have to clean the slate so much that you wouldn't know what's what anyways, you know, but I almost feel like it is a clean slate that you don't know what's what. Like I, I, you know, so on certain days, I wonder if anybody knows anybody in the afterlife, if there's any personality or if it's just energy, you know what I mean? Who's to say? It's a wild thing. It really is kind of crazy. We could talk about it for eight years straight and then probably another couple of weeks after that. But um, did did you want to say anything else in closing about this theory that I, that, uh, that I might not have touched on? Uh, no, I believe that the essence or the energy, whatever is behind the animal, within the animal, part of God's creation, um, that continues on, uh, just like we do. Now, whether you choose to describe it as a wonderful doggy playhouse or, I'm not going to say cat house, uh, a doggy <laughs> playhouse and stuff, choose your own description of it. But uh, I think it's just like I think that uh, the divine or the creator is greater than us. I think it's a little bit more than just our uh, physical comforts and pleasures that we have now. But we are we can be reunited with their essence, and uh, it's a good thing. Imagine a world with the next realm. You, you open your eyes, and you're in a world where dogs and cats and animals are at the at the human level humans are at the pet level and uh what type of world that would be well it'd probably be kind of uh one which is you you would call judgment and justice the way some people treat animals yeah you know it would be uh That'd be a scary world, of course. That's waiting to be a Wes Anderson movie or like an animated film, Pixar film, because that world would have very friendly animals that were cool to you and loving like you have humans, but it would also have your serial killers and your demented, twisted, dark, perverted, horrifying animals the way we have our humans in in our world that we're in now. So it would be very, it'd be a crazy spin. Cause imagine, imagine a, a pack of, you know, you don't even have to imagine you got a pack of wolves, the way they go hunting. If you, you were out, if you were out in their element without the appropriate uh, protection and those pack of wolves are hungry, maybe not even hungry, just bored. Uh, and they come across you uh, and your party and it's going to be a party, that's for sure. But, you know, it's your party. You cry before you die if you want to type deal. Um, but, yeah, that'd be troublesome. Imagine that, like a, like a street gang of fucking blood-hungry wolves 
that were like smart, smarter than you were, and you had to like, and they were out for blood. Uh, that's horrifying. That's that's troublesome. We talk on the show often about like having to deal with these certain animals if they were even bigger. Like you take a house cat and make it twenty times the size it is. Um, prob- that's very problematic. I know I don't want to deal with that. You know? I want to ride that. I want to. <laughs> I want to pet it and ride it. That's like the. That's the. The fucking. I forget the. The He Man. The fuck. The big cat. The battle cat from He Man. Um, I'd ask permission first. I definitely ask permission first, but I'd want to ride it if it let me. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. He'll say it. Maybe if you're good. Now, in ancient times, there was talks of, like, gigantic snakes, right? Like, 100-foot snakes and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Multi-100-foot snakes. Like, I'm at, like a world with that uh, is troublesome. Even our world, you got to think, we talked about this before. Usually when we talk about those other things, they're like, humanity is like it, it, and you talk about like giants and stuff like that and it's like you know at at our height like if things were if things were bigger than us like that we'd be fucked dude like if if if, if some of these predator animals were bigger than they are um which would make them harder to kill and they were able to get out of their element and in, in, in weather source and into yours or God forbid out of the water and into the, be able to kind of come out of the water and then go back in. That'd be like a horrifying thing to begin with. If, 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 if underwater life figured out a way to come out and go back in and have beef with us, that could be like, that could be a, that's a science fiction movie uh, right there. A world of war an underwater war. But that'd be, uh, that's crazy. The only reason why we are the prominent species, I assume is our brain, the ability to be able to think a thought and make our hands move to do it and uh, keep ourselves alive, I guess. And then over time, I think every, every progress is, Unless you're really a mistake, uh, through time, progress will be had no matter what. The um, yeah, interesting. So, Ray, I think I'm going off the point big time here. So, is there anything else you want to say about uh, animals in the afterlife? Uh, all I'll say is, yeah, they're there. In one form or another, they're there. They're part of God's creation. And they continue on in the spirit world also. Would you, when you go to the other side, how would you feel about in the physical form being around all those animals? Like, you'd be cool. Like, I know you'd want to ride on a few backs. But would you be cool with, like, a 50-foot anaconda wrapping itself all up around you and stuff like that. I think that even though like, it's not going to kill you or supposedly not going to kill. I don't know. I feel like there's still a little bit of something in you from the other. If you have a memory, you think of trauma, you know what I mean? People that something happened to them 50 years ago. And now if they're in a room with it or something like that, and they get a vibe of it, 
you know, they go, it, it sets them back. I, in the same sense of that, I feel like you're not going to be able to jive with these things that you knew, you know, in another world, we're going to fucking rip you to shreds, give you one of the most horrifying deaths of all time. I think the fear you would have to have your brain and your slate wiped clean because the fear I think would still be there. And I know fear is one of those things that sheds when you transcend, but I don't know. I feel like it's weird. I think like they'd have to really clean the slate. And if you clean the slate too much, is it even you anymore? That's my question. That's my dealings. Well, if if, if you do transcend, yeah. Then you, then you are leaving these things behind, and then you these fears and phobias, and then you would confront these things, and it might be awkward at first because you're not used to it. But you would also, and this is in the spirit world, a different world, be able to feel their love and their essence, and that should really get rid of all of what uh, you may have carried over. If you did, I mean, you'd see them again as, as God's creatures on the other side without all of the uh, garbage that we put on top of it now. Very interesting. It makes sense that everything everything that was alive would go to the same place. Going to different places would be weird. But I guess if we were talking in the world of dimensions, um, and I've, I've said before, I think that a lot of the afterlife is mental. So almost like your happy place, almost like heaven's like your happy place in a way, mentally, you know what I mean? They would, an animal or whatever would would have a happy place as well. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting to think that they'd all be meshed together. Um, But I don't, you know, I still don't know. I still don't know what, you know, that whole physical, like, heaven and hell thing, I don't know. I think it's more of a mental vibe. Yeah, you feel things. You'll still feel pain physically and stuff. But, like, I think it's more of a within-yourself type vibe. And it can either be happy place and good times or it can be, you know, torment and torture. You know what I mean? But I think it's one of those things. And, uh, yeah, it's very interesting, you know, of the mashup of these two. These two. Do you think, so you think they're both in the same realm or do you think maybe there could be a dimensional split type thing? I think it depends on how much of your ego and your path and your life while you're in this world, you were able to give up. And if you cannot give it up, then that's where you either become a ghost, you either reincarnate or you experience a personal hell with your separation from the divine. Mm. Now in the, in, in the old, when they talked about hell back in the day, was it always a forever thing or was it something that you did, you know, you know, 10 lifetimes in hell, and then you got another run of things. There are some religions where um, you went there for a while. It was kind of like a waiting station, and then you moved on. Um, I know in the early Catholic Church, they had purgatory. Yeah. That's when, that's when you were bad, but not bad enough to go to hell, so it burned away your sins, and you earned your way into heaven. So there, as far as hell being a stopping point, uh, that has been brought up in different cultures. Or believed in different cultures. Yeah. Um, personally, myself, I think it's the sep- the separation that we create within ourselves, and mostly to do with the ego and our separation from our divine nature and from the Creator. That is the hell. 
Yeah, I've I come well, you know, I remember as a kid taking in all this stuff, going to church and stuff, I wanna say that I had I had like a, a vibe like hell was a timeout type weird deal, you know. Um you, you, you know, years like lifetime deals. Like I remember having that feel where it was like, Okay, you would go, you would live a lifetime, die, and then re be go into hell again. Um, maybe that's just a hellacious life. You know, we've all know people that almost feel like they're cursed. You know, maybe somebody did throw a curse on them. That it's bad luck and terrible shit constantly. You know, who's to say that imagine if hell was that be, you know, taking, you know, I know Ray believes in the reincarnation deal, but taking that into consideration, a hell would be being reincarnated into a miserable life. You know what I mean? That you just couldn't get out of. That is kind of a twisted thought, too. Um, and I, if, you know, I'm not fully on board with the reincarnation thing. I'm not saying that it isn't, and I'm not saying that it definitely is. Um, but if it was the case, I would, I would, then I would definitely, if reincarnation was the way, I would definitely probably vibe with that's what hell is in that world. Cause my, it's, I'm weird where like I pull things from everywhere, like my outlook on, shit like that like I, I you know i think the truth is everywhere so to speak the uh and i almost vibe with that in the reincarnate if in the theory of reincarnation i would assume held to be being born into a miserable life that you just can't but i also feel that you know there you could with a miserable life like there's ways out of it you know what i mean there's there, there there's there, there's a way even but you, even if it's a horrendous life that started off incredibly fucking horrifying, I almost, I, you know, I feel like there's a bit, you know, there's a better chance for a more positive outcome because you came from so much darkness in the beginning that it's like, it, it, it yeah, it, it's an interesting deal. Again, I'm going off in a different place. So I'm going to wrap up the show before I go into something about something else different. But uh, we hope everybody out there enjoyed the show. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you liked this one, go check out and uh, wherever you listen to it. I'm a Spotify guy myself. That's where I listen to stuff. But wherever you listen to this, I ask you subscribe or follow. Hit that button. And then every time the show drops, boom, you get the little notification. Nothing too in your face. Very subtle. Um, very polite. Just say, hey, new Mostly Ghostly is ready for you. Uh, I push it all the time because sometimes me and Ray don't get it. Ray's really great about it, but I, I'm the worst in the world. Uh, if anybody's depending on me uh, for uploading shows. So I think you either need, you need to hit that Facebook page immediately and like that. Uh, and definitely like wherever you listen to shows so you can get it as soon as it comes out. And uh, get popping. You know, we're always looking for guests. Whether you are, you know, you're on a paranormal team, you have a house that's haunted, you've just always loved this stuff. Hit us up. You know what I mean? We love talking to the people and uh, having discussions. So, even though you might not be, you know, 20 years deep in or whatever, just uh, you could be, you could be a prime time guest. Heck yeah. So, yeah, check us out. Follow us on the Facebook. 
Uh, we do get a Patreon, Boombastic Streaming Patreon. You'd get episodes, you know, you get them pretty new here, pretty fresh here. You get them a little early there. And uh, we do get a video thing coming your way soon. And uh, hell yeah. With that being said, we hope everybody's well. And uh, we'll catch you all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Hold on to your pets tight all through the night, all with your might. Don't put up a fight. Ray Booten, you ready to do this? Oh, yeah.